Good morning, folks. It is uh, 64 degrees on October the 12th, 2022, in uh, Will Barker County, Texas. Gonna head over uh, yonder over east today. Works and work a fraternity horse. Might want a fraternity horses, a couple two year olds over at uh, my buddy Matt. His place. That's like my brother. Just, just one of them dear people that uh, is just good hearted, kind, and honest, and love being around him. And then I gotta go uh, take a horse over to the vet to Justin High at Weatherford. They're uh, Riata Equine and have him go through her, and we're gonna probably inject her hocks and stifles. It is about a month before the turkey starts. And uh, I don't know if she's a little sore. If she's not, she gives me quite a little, but I don't really feel sore. But I, I think if I do it now, she won't get sore. So we'll prevent maintenance. So speaking along those lines, horses, whatever. Uh, so I got to, I got to, I got to tell you about this. So. I've held, I've held horses and been around horses and people and everything, uh, trained horses forever. Uh, I mean, I've been in this business my whole life, and I, I wasn't born into it. My, my dad was not a, a horseman. He wasn't a horse trainer of any kind. Uh, he's a businessman. Uh, doesn't do too bad at it. He's a pretty good businessman. Um, he's actually a really shitty horseman. Uh, really, really shitty. And uh, I don't mean to hack on my father, but every now and then somebody needs a kick in the dick once in a while to knock him down and peg him. And uh, his biggest problem is he doesn't he doesn't uh, think he needs to learn anything. He thinks he knows everything. So it's kept him at the bottom of the barrel because he won't just shut the fuck up and learn something. You know, when I went to work for a trainer uh, by the name of Brandon Butters, I mean, this is... 20 years ago, more, uh, 21 years ago. I worked for Brandon, and, and basically what he told me was, everything that you know about horses, you need to forget, and let me reteach you, or you're not going to learn anything, and I was 21 years old, so, and I did, and, and it worked, okay, uh, not to get terribly off track, but what I'm saying is, I wasn't born into it, I had to learn it, I didn't have a daddy. Yeah, my dad taught me a few things, but not a lot. He really didn't teach me a whole lot about horsemanship or, or, or anything of that. Um, cause there wasn't a whole lot he could teach. There was a whole lot of bullshit. There wasn't a whole lot of teaching. I mean, put a leg on each side, kick him to go pull the stop. I mean, it's fucking basic as any Mormon farmer tried to figure out. That was it. Um, with that being said, I started trying to learn from the best one. I, a guy who taught me an immense amount of of uh, horsemanship and, and about horses and everything else was was uh, one of them was Doug Broadhead, uh, Star Rally Wyoming. Uh, he wasn't, uh, uh, you know, he, he wasn't a, a cutting horse trainer, or a reining horse trainer, or nothing like that. But but Doug was a great uh, he, he was a great roper. He could make a good all-around ranch horse, rope horse, 
I mean, and, and Bill Horse is good enough that his sons competed on him at the highest level. PRCA, uh, college national finals, the whole nine yards. And, and, and not only did they compete on him, but they kicked their ass on him. That was all Doug Broadhead did. He did. He was a great coach, great teacher. Uh, Boyd Udy was another guy who taught me, and I'm more, probably more about starting colts than anybody with Boyd Udy. I, I love Boyd and appreciate him and Doug and so many others for that. With that being said, so so I have this interesting conversation. I've, I've raised about 20 colts a year, and I've basically got two left. Okay. One of them, we actually had him sold, a done stud colt, uh, black mane and tail, big old dorsal strap down the middle, he's bat, bat, and a big old ass on him. I mean, this is the type of horse got a ball face uh, type of horse that everybody's going to want to ride when he's four or five years old. Okay, he's a baby colt. All of my colts are sold other than, than I got two left, which is pretty doggone good, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the majority of them were, were actually spoken for prior to uh, to them being to them being weaned or anything like that. So, with that being said, uh, this lady asked me about this cult. She's been bugging me for a week. The people that ask the most questions spend the least amount of money. I understand cover your bases, but there comes a point where it's like, okay, you know, shit or get off the pot. You need to either buy this motherfucker or not. She wants pictures of his mom, pictures of his dad, pictures of how tall are they? Well, how are their feet? How are they to shoot? How are they to this? How are they to that? Hey, look, I can tell you all that stuff, but, but, uh, and it gives you an indicator of, of maybe how this cult is, but he's a baby cult. He's a clean slate. So whatever happens to him, like I had an old man the other day. This guy was like 85 years old, and he's asking me all these questions. Well, they ain't going to get to be navicular when they're 10 or 12 years old, are they? Because I don't, I don't like cutting horses because they they're prone to navicular. And uh, I'm like, well, a lot of that's going to fall in the hands of your horseshoer. Number one and, and number two. Yeah, sometimes it does happen, but guess what? If it happens to him when he's 12 and you're 85, I'm pretty sure you both you motherfuckers can go in the same hole. Okay, I know that sounds really, really crude, really vulgar. But for fuck's sakes, when I'm 85 years old, I'm not going to worry about a horse that's going to get until I'm 15 years. People are just bitching just a bitch. But with the old man, I just finally put my foot down on him, and I had a lot of people, other people asking about that cult, and I says, okay, partner, here's the deal. I says, either you need to pay for this son of a bitch right now, or I'm going to sell him to the next guy because I got four or five more people asking about it. Boom. He writes a check. He lived up in Driggs, Idaho, but he happened to actually be uh, at a function where my brother was. He said, Your brother's here. I'll just go give him a check. He was sending me a text, and he thought, Your old man was sending me a text. And, and I, but I had, to, I had to put my foot down and just say, Shit, get off the pot. Because the one that controls everything is the one that can walk away. If you can't walk away from a deal, you're a sucker. But if you can walk away, you're not a sucker. Okay? You control anything you can walk away from. Obviously, that old man couldn't walk away from this colt. I told him, I says, look, dude, you ain't going to buy a better horse for a better price anywhere. 
He says, oh, sure I can. I said, well, then why the fuck are you calling me? Why do you keep bothering me? I called his bluff. I said, go buy another cult somewhere else. Go buy a better one for the same money. I'm not saying I raise the greatest horses out there because I'm going to tell you right now, I, I personally think for what I do, I raise a pretty good horse. However, with that being said, only a fool believes he raises nothing but quality. I got a little colt at home that actually was the first colt born of the year. He's the smallest. That doesn't mean he's no good. He's a little common looking. That doesn't mean he's no good. He's one of the ones that hasn't been sold yet. And I don't have no qualms in keeping him riding. I think there's a cuteness about him. I think he's going to be just kind of one of them neat little gildens that stands about 14 hands or 14-1. I don't ever think he's going to be a big horse. His mom and dad are both 14-3, but... But I just don't think he's going to be a great big horse. And he might cut a little bit. He might be a nice little calf horse or something. But but uh, I'll sell him somehow, somewhere, someday to someone. My point is, is only a fool believes they raise nothing for quality. When they say, oh, this stud, all of his culture like this, all of his culture like that. Yeah, and they might be all right until you breed them to a cunt mare, and then all of a sudden you got problems. And you'll usually find that the mother's mother is the biggest contributor of great or bad on the papers the second day. We've been there before. We've talked about this. Uh, so this lady that's asking me about this done cult of 150,000 questions. Well, finally she says, uh, so-and-so, she's from back east, she says, so-and-so's coming down there next week. Uh, maybe you could hook up and, and uh, you know, get the cult to them and, and I'd buy it and send it up. I says, all right. And she said, you can just meet them somewhere at a you know, truck stop or something. And I said, well, you need to understand, if I did that, we'd probably have to back our trailers up together because my colts are not Alderbrook, okay? And they're better horses because I, I promise you they are better. And one thing that people don't understand is when somebody sends me a two-year-old to train and it's been handled a lot, and it is not respectful. 99% of you and your horses fall into the not respectful category. Trust me. Stop blowing smoke up your own ass. They don't fucking work. You've mauled the holy living shit out of them and them folks don't respect anything. You or themselves. And a lot of them super, super gentle all up in your pocket, nibble on your ear type of coats. I had to beat the holy living shit out of them for about a week just to get them to back off and realize that something could knock their fucking ass out. Now, if you don't like listening to this, you're probably on the wrong podcast. Because my podcast, these are my thoughts. Okay? Start showing me fucking Hall of Fame inductees and, and uh, gold buckles, and then we might have a, a visit. I made myself a rule a long time ago. I would never, ever take advice from somebody who's been down before me. And I talked to a lot of horse trainers, because we're all in this business together, Talk to a lot of trainers now telling the same thing. Uh, Someone brought this colt, he's a really nice colt, but he's just all up over you. So we don't haul or break our colt. We let them run wild with their moms. They're born out in a great big pasture. Am I fortunate to have a lot of land? Maybe. I'm not blessed because I have more land than a lot of people. That's a result of hard work. A blessing is the half inch rain we got two nights ago. Blessings are what money can't buy. So, when I tell you that that uh, my colts are not handled 
and I told this lady that, and all of a sudden she starts throwing a fit. And she says, well, I don't know if this is going to be work. They have a trailer with dividers, and if he can't be tied, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's the deal. He's not hauled or broke today. In a week, I could have him hauled or broke. But I usually just leave him alone so that you get a clean slate. You. When you buy a colt from me, it is 100% a clean slate. Whatever that horse does or does not become is partly, mostly going to be on your shoulders. Now, if he doesn't make a world champion cutting horse, hey, I get that. If he doesn't make a world champion rope horse, hey, I get that. Some of them have all of that, some of them don't. But one thing that even the most untalented horses can have are manners. And they actually are better for it if you wait to halt or break them until after they're weaned off their mamas. Get them comfortable without being with their mom and worried about their mom all the time. And then you can go ahead and halt or break them. Are they going to be scared? Yeah. Are they going to be wild? Yeah. But... You know, take them home, put them in a stall, get a halter on them, leave them in that stall, and step in there and drain them every day and pet them every day and teach them how to be obedient, teach them how to be nice. It'll work. So this lady, she says to me, well, since he can't be tied, I'm not sure that'll work. So finally, I just told her, look, I said, I'm not begging you. I said, I'm tired of this. Don't buy it. Five years down the road, I'll just keep it and ride it. I said, five years down the road, he's going to be one of those $75,000 guildens that everybody wants. And then you're going to say, God damn, I could have bought that colt for $5,000. That's what I saw all my colts for, $5,000. His colt's got a freaking hip on him the size of a goddamn fry cook. He's got a pretty, pretty head. He's just a handsome horse. And he's not a Red River done. He's a black dorsal stripe done. The buckskin done. I mean, he would be a buckskin all the way, a golden buckskin, but he's got that big old fat dorsal strap down the middle of the back that gives him just a tick of charisma. I'm not going to beg him. Nope, not one damn bit. You watch this colt move around, and he cannot make a turn without stopping first, getting on his ass, spreading his legs when he does it. This is a balanced horse. And I don't know what gave her the idea that that colt couldn't be tied up. Here's another thing that I've learned and I've experienced over the years. I've seen so many people that say, oh, you can't tie this cold up. I've had people bring me two-year-olds to train, and they're leading them all around, and they can't hardly beat them off of them. But they say he can't be tied up. Why? Because I've never tied him up before. He might go crazy. So tie that son of a bitch up and walk off. And let him hang back and throw a fit and figure out where in the fuck the respectful zone is which is going to be somewhere in that two-foot span between his nose and a goddamn railroad tank. Let them figure it out. And they'll be better horses for it. You know, one time, I was, I was uh, loading up early one morning to go work Colts over with my buddy Chad Bouchard. Chad's one of the greatest guys ever, and he's a phenomenal horseman. He's one almost $4 million as a cutting horse trainer and rider. And he's a non-pro. He doesn't train for anybody else, but he trains all his own horses. He's, he's, he's got a better career than most great trainers have ever had. And he just rides his own, so it classifies him as a non-pro. He doesn't want to train other people's horses. I was loading some horses up, and I had a 
caddy hawk mare that I, I was putting in the trailer. Anyways, I was loading in the trailer, and she tries to dart off, and she was just a colt, and not jump in the trailer, and it was in my six horse with that narrow back door. So when she tried to dart off, I whacked her in the nose. Well, then she darts the other way, and she hits her head on the side of the trailer on the door, and, and uh, it puts a little thing on her head. Scrape some skin off. You can see, I mean, wasn't really bleeding or nothing. Just give her a little bit of a knock in her nose right there. Well, I get to Chad's place and I load my horse and go to work. And he goes, oh, I got a little dinger on my head there, huh? And I says, yeah. And says, she had a trailer loading accident. He laughed and he says, I shall be better for it. And he meant that. Sometimes just a little bit of whack on the noggin goes a long ways. I know nobody wants to hear that, but those are usually the people who never ever tasted their own blood. So, my advice to y'all is, go ahead and tie them sons of bitches up. When you wean them coats, what we, what I personally do, and it seems to work out for me, I've seen people hook up to a donkey and that works great. Actually, because that donkey teaches him respect and crawls all over the donkey. The donkey will beat the shit out of him and if he hangs back and doesn't want to lead anywhere, the donkey will just walk around right. But what we do, because I don't, I don't really want to keep a whole bunch of donkeys around my place. What we do is I wing them colts, I run them in my round trail, I rope them one by one individually from the back of another horse, rope them around the neck, valley up and stop them. Those of you that say I can't rope, well, life's a bitch when you're not a fucking hand. Nobody will ever be classified as a hand if they can't rope. So, I go ahead and I rope them around the neck. And I play around with them for a little while, and I, I, I get them snubbed down. They might hang back, choke a little, throw themselves on the ground or whatever. Watch them that they don't flip over backwards and whack their pole, because that'll kill a coat. I've seen that happen multiple times, and it was always by people who let them do that. So if they're going to throw themselves down, just make sure they do it sideways. Let them figure it out. They need to throw that fit and figure it out. And then we go ahead and get them haltered, and I just tie them up. And then I'll untie them. I'll tie them up in a stall. And then I'll untie them and they can go eat. Tie them up for three or four hours. Either after two, three days. And then after that first day, after you broke him, tied him up in the stall, you just leave him in the stall. Don't leave his alder on him. I don't want him getting caught up on something, breaking his neck and dying because you're too big of a fucking pussy to put it on and off or too lazy to. Don't leave the halter on him. It's not a Walt Disney movie. Take that fucking thing off. Disrespectful. That's dangerous. Take that halter off when you ride them. Don't put the halter on under the bridle. It's stupid, it's faggoty, it's disrespectful. So, go ahead and tie them colts up, though. And that's the thing, is here this lady's been bugging the shit out of me, saying, well, since he can't be tied, well, he can be tied. Has he ever been tied up before? One time, we roped him, put a halter on him, tied him to a foe's tied his leg up and branded him. We brand all of our colts, we hot brand them. It's traditional something I want to hang on to if you think I'm mean for it, get mine. Mine stretches around the block. We branded them colts a couple weeks ago when we had a waning moon. When it looks like the moon will hold water, and you can see the bottom of it looks like a little saucer. When the moon will hold water, that's the best time to brand your colts or castrate them or pull the things. They will not bleed nearly as much, and the brands won't grow as big. When the animal grows, the brand won't stretch and grow as big. Grandpa 
and that was in the old age for Bible. Uh, most people just do things to their schedule, their Wall Street enhanced schedule. Don't work like that out here in the country. So, so uh, kind of my point to all this podcast is. Go ahead and tie them horses up. After we get done working horses every day, we go tie them up. And if he stays tied up for seven or eight hours until it's time to have them all put away because we've been busy working, it doesn't hurt him. It teaches him manners. There's nothing worse than tying a horse up and having him throw a fit. If I tie that son of a bitch up and he starts pawing the ground, I put a set of hobbles on him. He needs to learn to stand there like obedience is. Okay. I can learn a lot by that. But as far as, I mean, this other lady saying she doesn't know if she wants to buy my coat, I says, then don't buy it. I'm not begging you. I told her that. And I'm not, I'm not a beg. I'm not going to sit there and work, work deals and beg and work deals and beg. Fuck them. I'll just keep that son of a bitch myself. Somebody will buy him. It's not going to be that big a deal. All the price is going to do is go up. I get more phone calls for yearling coming two-year-olds than I ever do for winglings. I leave his nuts in him and let him grow up big and pretty this time next year. That's something that should be worth ten instead of five. It's too hard to find them good ones like that. And so when you do, you got to kind of pounce on them. They're worth a lot of money. And then everybody wants to buy horses from the folks that raised them. Know everything about them. And that actually carries some weight and some clout when you get to the horse sale when he's five or six years old and finish horse. So, you know, that, that, that part of the reason, in my opinion, part of the reason that the horse market is really, really high is because of Facebook, social media, Instagram. There's too many horse trainers. Everybody's figured out that you can buy one, you can sit there to sale, or you can you can scroll through Facebook, and you can find all these horses that are secretly for sale, because Facebook wants to sell horses, so they, you know, they say up for a new pasture, new address, new consideration, new barn, new stable, whatever, and, and uh, they, they sell these horses, and everybody gets on there, and they buy them for... But there's people that are getting bankrolls behind them or, or, you know, doing it, and they're buying these sons of bitches for six, seven, eight, nine, let's say $10,000, and they about guarantee you they're all doubling their money. You know, I get a fucking kick out of it. Everybody in the world hates horse traders. I don't know why. I don't have a problem with a horse trader. I've actually traded a lot of horses in my lifetime. Bought and sold them. Hell, I bought, I, I bought, I bought a horse at Billings, Montana one time, a son of Patty's Irish Whiskey. And I owned that cocksucker for about three minutes. And a guy came walking up to me and he said, do you want to you want to sell that horse? I said, well, yeah. He says, well, do you want me to just, you know, go to the office and pick up your ticket? Pay pay for him myself? I says, no. I bought that horse to make money. Charge him $1,000 more than what I paid for. And he paid it. Willfully, willingly paid it. And uh, And so anyways, I, I charged him more than what I paid for it. I was in the business to make money. I knew the horse could bring more money at, at another place or, or at home. I made a thousand bucks in three minutes. Is that being a horse trader? Yeah. Is it playing by the rules of the United States Packers and Stockyards Division about being a bonded livestock dealer to be able to do that? No, it's not playing by their rules. 
Did I give a shit? No. What I did was, I made that guy give me a thousand dollars, which he did right there. And then we went to the office, and I told the people at the office, he's gonna, he's gonna pay for that horse, just put it on his buyer's number instead of mine. But I made a grand in three minutes. I don't have a problem with that. That was my horse, it was my decision. When I bought it, it became my property. You don't get to tell somebody what to do with a horse after you sell it to them. Okay? If you want to tell somebody what to do with a horse after you sell it to them, you shouldn't have sold it. it. It becomes their property. It's no different than a house. You know, you sell somebody a house and they buy it. They can't come to you and say, now that house needs to remain the royal blue that it is. And you're going, no, I'm going to pay to tan. Because I like tan. I don't like royal blue houses. Once you take their money, it's not yours anymore. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't come to you and say, no, no, you know, hey, I, I uh, bought that horse from you, yeah. And I paid you $10,000 for it, yeah, so uh, what would you do with that ten grand? Uh, you know, actually, I, uh, I uh, you know, give it to my son to pay off his college education. He got a degree in the liberal arts. Well, I don't like liberal arts. What the fuck did you do that for? I didn't give you that money to pay off that education. It doesn't matter. You swapped. But the, the thing I get a kick out of is that everybody hates horse traders. And yet there's a handful of them, a lot of them based out of right here in Texas. They're getting more smoke load up their fucking asses and, and pictures in magazines and all over the place talking about what great horse programs they have when they're, they don't have great horse programs. They prowl around all these trainers' barns and they pounce upon their misfortune and, and uh, they buy their rejects and their cripples for pennies on the dollar or half of what they're worth and then they turn around flipping the next day. I had a guy call me the other day and, and uh, he told me that uh, he bought a lot of horses from a certain person who I know. And I just kind of chuckled. And I thought, well, you paid about triple what all them fuckers originally sold for the day before. Because that's what that guy does. And that's fine. But don't nobody go cussing on horse traders when y'all kiss their asses. You know, that, I mean, personally, the older I get, the more I don't like the, the, the trading deal. I don't care if somebody swaps something off or whatever. I really don't. But the, the older I get, the, the problem I have is, is there's, it's, it's, it's not that I have a problem with, with, you know, buying something today and selling tomorrow. I don't have a problem with that. You know, nobody's holding a gun to anybody's head. But, but the problem I kind of have with it is, is it just gets to be a pain in the ass because nobody respects uh, any of it, and so really, it's kind of one of them. You're gonna pick up that hundred bucks today, but it might cost you a thousand tomorrow because people say, "Oh, don't buy horses from him; he's just a trader." Whereas, like me personally, my little band of brood mares, about twenty head of mares, makes me about a hundred thousand dollars a year because I've got a program here, and it's not a trendy program. It's what I, Scott Hume, believes in. And so when I tell you that I have a program here, which I do, I can say, well, you know, I've got, I've got several mares that are the third generation. 
That's taken Kim and I 20 years to get here. You know, we're breeding to a stallion that, that we didn't hear about or buy him somewhere to sell sometime. We bought him as a yearling colt. We trained him. We showed him. I can tell you everywhere that horse won a check. I can tell you what he was like to ride the first time, the last time, and all of it through the middle. And that's my program. And it started to pay off. So all you people that want in the horse business and want it to work, it'll take you a lifetime. Most of the really successful horse programs were started 100 years ago. Your grand, if you really want a program, you really want it to work, stick with it. Your grandchildren will sit under the shade of the tree you plant. That's how it works in about everything. Don't be afraid to tie them sons of bitches up. Stop jerking people around. Either put up or shut up, because all those of us that sell horses, we get tired of 10,000 questions. I can't guarantee what that horse is going to become. He's a baby colt. He's a clean slate. Find his niche and then take him all the way. That's the best you can do with any horse. Find what they want to do and do really good at and then take them as far as you can. Anyways, I'm going to get going. Just thought I'd uh, tell you folks a few things that can chap a guy's ass and that maybe will benefit you or me or all of us in the meanwhile. And hopefully you can use this. I get messages and texts and shit all the time. People I run into all over the place that say, oh, we love your podcast, you know. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm sure there's people out there that don't really want to talk to me that will be like, I hate that guy's freaking podcast. And that's okay, too. You know, you gotta, you just gotta do what works for you. So, I'm gonna get going. This is Scott Hume from somewhere on the plains of Texas, and I hope y'all have a splendid day, cause I'm gonna.